Welcome back to episode three of the Farmland Hunter podcast. Uh, we're at the time of year where land improvements is like a big thing now. Mm-hmm. And I think the big part of land improvements is how much it can help your deer herd and like not only just your deer herd, but like the wildlife and like turkeys. Like we don't, we're not like necessarily worried about like rabbits and right. squirrels. But I hear a lot of the guys say um, if rabbits will stay in it, then deer will stay in it. Like right. If it's good for rabbits, it's good for deer. Yeah, you want to create an ecosystem because if it's good for the deer, like you said, it's going to be good for other other wildlife, and it's good to have a well-balanced um, woods, you yeah. know? But, yeah. So the, another good thing about land improvements is it's not just helping your property, it's helping your neighbors yep. too. Like, yeah. Like with us, you're hunting the property right next to ours. Yep. And what I do can help you, mm-hmm. and what you do can help me. I mean, not necessarily on killing deer, but helping grow bigger deer. Right. Yeah, I mean, the deer don't stay on your property. No. Like, they they move, so, and, uh, yeah. They, they're, I mean, they're constantly moving. They're all the time just hopping off your property onto the next, and it's just so sporadic. I, I don't even know if a deer will spend 20% of its time on your property at a given time. Mm-hmm. Especially I, during the rut, too. Yeah, I mean, it depends on how big your property is. It's different, like, out west where you have, like, 5,000 yeah. acres and, like, the Lakoskis. <laughs> right. Yeah, and the deer, I mean, those deer, that their core areas in the center of your property, yeah, they're never getting off your property, probably. No, and, and you got to think about the different habitats, not just in the summer. Or I think that's a big mistake. Like, a lot of people just think about the deer in one part of the, like, one one time of the year instead of the whole year. year yeah like guys will pattern deer off the summer i i try i was i'm guilty for it like i would hang tree stands based yep. off of where the deer were at in yeah. the summer and i would hunt them and i wouldn't see i would see deer but i wouldn't see as many deer but then i started to think like okay the deer's patterns are changing constantly yeah. from summer to fall from fall to winter from winter to spring from spring to summer constantly it's always yep. flip-flopping some deer have the same areas as their winter and summer. Other deer totally flip-flops. Yep. It's I just, mean, some deer can move miles from their summer ranges. Yeah. I killed a buck. Um, we called him Gnarly. He's a huge, like, just a big six-point. And my taxidermist actually had him on camera two and a half miles away during the run. And it's yep. him. Like, and he was a distinct deer. Like, he only had two points on the one side, four on the other. And yeah. It's just... Yeah, because they need different things different times of the year. I mean especially towards the fall as rut starts kicking in. Yeah. And then when you think about in the summer, they don't need a lot of thick cover because it's it dies off in the winter. Like right now, deer need thick cover out of the weather, out of the wind. Yep, 100%. Um, and if you want to make a good habitat, I feel like if you, if you start building habitat for winter, I think that that'll – improve you know. the overall like spring summer everything yep. i yep. think it, i definitely think that because the hardest time of the year on deer other than hunting season is the winter in january oh and yeah our winter sometimes here i mean we had a we had some cold temperatures this year but it wasn't like we didn't have a ton of snow we had consistent snow yeah. but up until january we really didn't have that much yeah winter weather at all so you know i mean and we have maybe two more months of you know winter winter pretty much yeah. in march we get like that occasional snow but for the most part now it's yep. pretty mild and we'll start getting some days where it gets warmer where they can get out and stuff but yeah um but yeah i think i think 
building it for all year round. But getting back to what I was saying is a lot of deer are lost in the winter, not because of not having enough bedding, yep. not having proper cover, and not having enough food. You know, so if you can if you can accommodate them that way, they are healthier through the winter. They're going to be healthier going into the spring, which is going to promote antler growth. growth yep. There's going to be more fawns on the ground. It's just a rotating circle yep. of effects. So this whole um, stuff we're talking about now, the whitetail improvements, wildlife improvements, um, woods improvement, habitat improvement, whatever you want to call it, the people that you've learned it from, who who's taught you some of these things? I know you don't have like your own like property to yeah. say. So, like, you can't really, like, just go in there and chainsaw down, like, 100 trees and, like, yeah. just, like, do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's one reason why. I mean, I look into a little bit. I've looked in more of the micro plots, but I really haven't focused my energy. Mainly the stuff I've I've learned from is Jeff Sturgis with the Whitetail Habitat Yeah, Solutions. that's what I was going to say. That, that guy's taught me almost yeah. everything I know about I mean, he won habitat. the Quality Deer Management Award how many years in a row? Yeah, he's a, just... He's good at what he does. Yeah, he's definitely top of the line. And you get a lot of stuff from him just because – so if you watch one of his videos, just even though it's not on whitetail habitats, it usually all relates. Even hunting during the rut, like if you watch how to hunt during the rut yep. or different hunting mistakes, which I I recommend if you're listening to our podcast, you start to watch him because you're going to think about deer hunting in a totally different way. Yeah, oh yeah. And from all angles. You're you going to look at it from a management standpoint, not like like um, like um a business management. Right. But you're going to look at it from like a conservation uh-huh. kind of management. Yep. Like how to treat your property better. Yep. That you can have a better time hunting, you can have more deer on your property, that kind of management. And he's learned a lot of the stuff through watching and observing deer and trial and error yeah i mean you, you don't know something until you try it right and you're gonna fail a few times but that's what makes um yeah. stuff successful but he really does like it makes you think about it from all angles i think as hunters like a lot of times we get in the same rut of going and sitting in the same tree and you think what he's he has a really good quote about not being in the do you remember, do you know what i'm saying he yeah. says something about like your quality of hunts is more important than your quantity of hunts. Yeah, something like I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And and just stuff like, you know, we just think about, oh, if I just go out and sit, he's got to come by. But yeah. you don't think about the impact you're leaving on in the woods. The pressure. The pressure. You might not think about, like, you might not go in there and bump deer, but the stuff you're leaving behind might bump deer. Like, you might, you got to go in when you need to go in. You got to be right. careful. You got to be smart about it. You got to right. outsmart the deer. Right. And they live there. Like, that's your their home. You're yeah. sneaking into their home. And the he says all the time, deer will pattern you way faster than you'll pattern a deer. A hundred percent. You yep. go in there every week on a four-wheeler to check your trail cameras and bump deer off. Good chance are the deer are going to stay bumped off. Or they're going to know, okay, this guy's going to come in here. You hear the four-wheeler, we're out. Yep. You got to be careful. Yep. Yeah. I know. He. I think he said one time he, he had someone – drive him in on a side-by-side and drop him off, and then they drove away. So the deer thought that whoever was on the side-by-side, they left. Yeah. And he, he snuck into his stand. But he also talks about uh, checking your trail cameras during when you're going to sits, like after the season starts or yep. so many days up towards there, towards the start of the season. You know, don't go in and check your cameras because you feel like it. Only check your camera when you're going to the stand. You know, because that way you're already in there. You're not creating a new scent trail. Yep. And your scent will stay in the woods for 
a long time. I like during the um, I guess you call it hunting season, the rut, whatever. Um, I like checking trail cameras when it's raining. Uh huh. Or that yes, day after rain when it's foggy. Like some whenever I can get in the woods. I mean, I work, so I can't be in there whenever I want to. Yeah. But like, if it rains, it keeps your scent down. Like it's not yep. carrying through the woods. Yep. So yeah, you're gonna leave a less of a footprint when you're in there. And it does wash your scent out. A yeah, little it does. Bit. Yeah, it does. 100%. Which which does help because I mean, you leave your scent, your your does and your year and a half year old bucks. Like you might be seeing deer, but. It depends what you're hunting. Like you got to look at like mature deer; they will pick up to you. Oh, like yeah. a mature buck and does, they'll catch on to that stuff. And you might be seeing like the same couple, three little ones, but you don't realize the impact of that you made on the mature deer, the deer that w- we are after. We're after the mature deer. Yeah, he talks about that a lot. Like uh-huh. you're a a doe and you're one and a half year old bucks. The you bump them off, they're gonna come back. Yeah, I, I mean. Not, I mean, I'm not going to say that, that same day, but like give them a day or two. They're yep. probably going to come back, but you get up into that two and a half, three and a half there, there you're going to have like say week, week and a yeah. half, like depending, I mean, different deer are different, but then you get in that four and a half range, five and a half, uh-huh. they bump, they might be gone for two weeks, you uh, three weeks, you, you might you just, don't know. yeah, you have no idea. Yeah. And you know, it's, if you, if you, it's tough. It is very hard to, to follow all those steps and, and go go at it methodically, but even if you take a portion of that and apply it to your hunting season, even if it doesn't all work out, like even if you slip up a little bit, there's no harm going with these practices. Like you're no. not going to hurt yourself. Yeah, you're going to be, a, if anything, you're going to be ahead. You're not going to be right. worse than there's you really no. There's really no... Disadvantage, yeah. yeah. So not. why not try it? That's yeah. what I, I, I myself am very critical on, on myself in general, but especially hunting. Like I think about everything I do. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not going into my stand. I'm staying out of my area, you know, because the less I'm in there, the better. And especially the way I hunted this year was I was just banking on the rut, and I lucked out. But you know. I know the deer are going to be moving at that time of year, so it's the best might time. As well stay yeah, out. And... Might as well throw all your cards on the table. That's yeah. the time to be yeah. in there. But back to white tail, like the improvements yeah, we part. Kinda got yeah, off we got off. Yeah, we did get. That, oh, yeah, well, it's a podcast. Good, we good say this every, Yeah, we say this every time. The last three episodes. This is what we said. It's a yeah. podcast. That's what we do. But I want to talk a little bit about recent land improvements that I've done. Yeah. To kind of help. So my cousin's actually going to forestry school down in maryland and he he's big into cutting trees and everything so i brought him up onto the farm and there's this area it's like i don't know four acres of young timber i'd say relatively young like a lot of them 10 inch diameter and smaller and i brought him in there to hinge cut we did a lot of hinge cutting we explain cut, what that is so yeah so hinge cutting like if you watch whitetail habitat solutions he'll show you when like what's a good area to hinge cut what's a bad area to hinge cut how to hinge cut so I went into this area, me and my cousin, and we hinge cut probably 60 different trees relatively close to each other, trying to make bedding. We went about um, waist high, I'm about six foot tall, so like three feet off the ground, and we just hinged about 75%, 70% through that tree, leaving enough of, like whenever it goes to fall over, it leaves that little hinge that it still can um, survive, put some brows up, make it thick, let some sunlight in. 
So that's one of the things that um, recently I've done. This is like a good time to kind of do it when trees are more dormant this time of year. So we went in there, cut like 60 trees. That's one improvement we're doing. I'm actually talking about maybe doing some frost seeding. For the people that don't, that think cutting these trees down, um, like viewing it as a bad thing, you are doing it to build habitat, habitat. Yeah. for the, not just the deer, but the wildlife as a whole. Yeah, everything. It, everything can benefit from certain stuff like that. And he even goes like, um, Jeff Sturgis, he goes into the stuff like, it can actually hurt your property if you're yep. on the wrong property. And I looked at some of those things like why it would fail. And I only had those, that four acres was one of the only areas that I could, that I thought it would work. Right. So I'm trying it. And so far it's worked. Actually, like not even five, six days after I, I did it, there was deer tracks and beds in and, in and around it. Yep. So right off the bat, I knew, okay, this was a good, good start. And that's, it's not even growing up thick yet. Like it'll probably even be better in the spring, summer. Once again, I'm kind of more pinpointing where the deer are at. Uh-huh. So now I know, okay, they're going to maybe be more likely to bed here. So whenever I'm sneaking in the stand, I don't want to bump these deer out of this area. I know they're might, if they're going to be bedding on my property, there's a good chance they're going to be there. Now, like what time of the year do you usually do that? Um, February, I'd say January, February, March. Those kind of like when the trees are dormant. I'm I'm not gonna say exactly which month it is. I did this just end of January. Okay. I believe I did this. I think it, yeah, it was like the third week of January. And what's the benefit of putting bedding on your property? So this is another good point. So Tucker's property, well, not his property, but the property he hunts is right beside ours. And there's also a property. It's, it's two miles away. Yeah, 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 two miles away. So there's actually a property that both of our properties touch, and there's a lot of bedding over on those two properties that I want to kind of draw some deer over to mine, because we have the food. There's no doubt we have a lot of food over on our side, mm-hmm. but we don't have the bedding. We have a lot of um, old timber, wide open, some um, lots of fields. Because when you buy farm ground, you're buying it for the tillable ground for right. the most part. But so there's lots of fields. There's some grown up timber. There's some high grass. So I got I have to work with what I'm dealt. So I got to do what I can to make the property more um, attractive for the deer. Right. I think that's a good point because I'm sure <clears throat> some of the people listening to this are coming from the farmer's standpoint a lot of people around here hunt farmland there's not a lot of big timber big woods. in our area yeah like up north of um potter county um clearfoot county you're gonna yeah. start getting into the big woods but for the most part most whitetail hunters in across the united states for a majority of it it's mostly farmland yep i'd say 90 percent of it and most of the people hunt on farmland around here yeah for or sure. or i'm gonna say mostly all the deer movement relates to farmland oh 100 percent. especially like um around corn when like corn's grown soybeans deer are definitely attracted to those properties more than the big woods i'll notice the big shift from summer to fall ranges september when when the the crops are getting cut yeah yeah 100 percent. september when the corn's starting to get cut in september early october the deer like on our property we have like 90 acres of corn that Uh we put out on this 250 acre farm and whenever we cut it it's like a light switch yeah like it it'll stay like the same pattern for like three days if you don't catch it on those three days after that you're totally in like a chasing your tail yeah pretty much it's it totally flip-flops yeah and like you got to think too that 
they go from having an abundance of food There's, to nothing. Yeah. Unless you have like a good acorn crop like we did this year. Yeah. Which yep. is a little different. Yeah. But for the most part, they went from having all the food they could eat to nothing in a matter of hours. <laughs> right. And that's, you know, we'll go into the food plotting here in a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I think that we're going to bring that up. But that's where it can be a big game changer Yeah, for food you. plots. So since you brought it up, um, upcoming improvements for food plots is what I've been um, thinking about a lot in my free time because, like I said earlier, I'm thinking about frost seeding, some clover. I have an area that's about half an acre down in the – it's like a little meadow in the woods. And I'm thinking about going in there, rolling down some of the grass that's still standing. It's like three foot tall. Rolling it, throwing the clover in. And through the um, freezing and thawing effect of this time of year, you know, it allows the seed to get good ground contact and grow. I think that'll be um, a good improvement for trying to keep deer throughout the summer and stuff, get good pictures. Yeah, yeah. But another thing is I had a food plot that I was talking about in the last episode. It's like two acres. I have an acre and a half of corn in a rainbow shape. And then in the infield, I'll call it, I had beans. The beans got demolished within like the first week that they grew. So that was out. So luckily I had enough time to do some turnips and radishes and I planted those in there. And it actually worked out pretty good. The deer actually liked them, but they didn't like them late season as much because they had acorns in the woods. So that so this year is kind of an exception with all the acorns in the woods. But having a food plot on your property after all the food leaves off our farm after we cut it uh-huh having that food plot allows the deer to still be attracted to your property yep where other like our neighbors um that touch me and tuckers they leave like six seven acres of corn stand a year and it is so hard uh-huh. to bring deer off your property yep like i mean bring deer onto your property when they have that and they can do that and, like, I can't let that much corn stand. So, like, an acre and a half, which is still a good amount for, like... And why an why do they do that? Why do they let it... Well, they do it for long. the deer hunting. They, they have enough that they can combine and, like, make money off the grain. So, they they leave that up. I'm not sure if it's... it's I think it's definitely five acres. I know it's definitely five acres. Yeah. But they, they leave it there for just hunting purposes. Yeah, okay. But... It's so hard to bring deer off a property like that, and that's why we. I'm, yeah. I'm, that's why I'm constantly thinking, what can I do? Because a lot of deer that I have on camera get killed on that property, and it's not that I don't want them to shoot deer, but I want to sh- try and shoot deer too. So they're not like we're not in competition. Like it's not like oh man, these son of guns, you know. Yeah. But I do want to try and like make my property more attractive than theirs. So that way right. I can have. And that's going to boost the deer numbers in general across the entire neighborhood. Right. I'll call it. Yeah. Right. Like. I, I like when Macaulay is doing this stuff because it, it, it adds something to his property that maybe trickles down to your property. Right. Yeah. And you you told me before, you were like, you you always say it's better to watch your neighbor's property as close as you watch yours. Yeah, I do say that a lot. Like, you want to keep a good, um, you want to keep track of your neighbor's property just as much as yours. Like, I'll look at Ariel photos of the neighbor's property i don't go on their properties at all yeah don't do that yeah yeah don't don't <laughs> sneak on your neighbor's property to get a look at it definitely don't do that but i'll take like aerial images like hunt stand and i'll go in there i'll look i'll look what they have and like i talk to our neighbors a lot so i know what they plan i know what they leave and so i kind of get a rough idea of what's going on yep. in our properties so i can base what i'm doing it's so like they're leaving corn okay well i'm gonna do greens i'm gonna do turnips and stuff yeah but that gives the deer a variety a buffet they're gonna get corn over there but okay over on my side they can get turnips. Right. so i can i can kind of watch everybody else's property 
and kind of base my strategy, if you want to call it, off of their properties to make my hunting game a little bit stronger. I think as hunters, we could all benefit from being a little friendlier to our neighbors. Yeah, I mean, look out west. Like, you'll hear about it all the time. Um, like, on Midwest Whitetail, he says, we talk to our neighbors. We have a really good plan in with them. They actually talk to their neighbors and say, okay, we're going to let this deer go this year. Yep. With their neighbor. And there's, I mean, your neighbor has to be on the same page as you to do that. Like, yeah. okay, we think this deer's at four and a half. They'll look at pictures. Okay, this deer's at four and a half. Let's give him one more year, let him go to five and a half. And if your neighbor's on board with that, it, it makes it so much fun. Yep. I'm not going to say, like, I have funner, but it is. It's, it's so much more, like, complex, and it's just cool. Yeah, I mean, you're studying the deer, and it's another hunting buddy. I mean, at the end of the day, I think... The camaraderie a, right. is, is the fun part. I think a lot of people, if they would... If they're, they knew their neighbors and met them somewhere, at, like let's say the outdoor show or something like that, yeah, I feel like they'd get along with them just fine. But just because they're neighbors, people let that jealousy sink in, and then they get they get jealous of their neighbor. And and I think as hunters, we're all doing the same thing, and we're all fighting the same. Not just like deer management wise, but I mean hunting isn't the most favored thing, and we're really all in it together yeah i i just saw this on instagram i mean i'm not going to get political on here but i just saw the um biden administration's looking to take back some um public hunting ground and make it no hunting and fishing leave it public like for public right take hunting and fishing out of it which i don't agree with at all no there's a lot of people that that if you look at yosemite it's i don't care what you say but Humans have been hunting animals since, since the beginning of time. That's as 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 just, long as we've been here. Hunting is what everybody grew up on. Like you didn't you didn't um, for the vegans and everybody like you didn't start out there eating leaves. Like you wouldn't have made it. You were done. No survival of the fittest. <laughs> no and and when if you want an animal to live naturally, and I think that's kind of like. I don't know. I don't share the same views, but looking from their view, I would say that they think that we should have uh, just no, leave the deer no alone and no let them do their on. thing. But by not managing the deer properly and hunting them out out in Yosemite, where I don't know if that's where this plan is. is yeah, I, I saw them like Mississippi. Like there was like a some sort of um, plains in mm-hmm. Mississippi. They were talking about taking it away from. And I, that's just what I saw. But. Well, in Yosemite, you can't hunt. But yeah. everybody goes and looks at the, the the animals out there, and it is great wildlife. No, oh, 100%. But biologists have studied how differently these animals have acted because there is no hunting pressure. And it's just not natural. And it, it leaves room for CWD, like right now. Yeah. If you let it get that bad, I mean, we do need to keep deer. There is a thing as too many deer. In our area, we don't suffer from that. But no. if you go to Pittsburgh or cities or suburbs, suburbs yeah. it is terrible. Or you're not allowed to hunt them or, like, very, very little people yep. hunt them. Yep. They're out of control. I mean, we're not – it's not back like this is what's different from back in the day now. Yeah. Like, 200 years ago, you could not hunt deer and they'd probably be okay because they had everywhere in the world to go. Yep. But now you have cities. You have um, highways, interstates, whatever. Yep. Deer out on the road hit your car i mean almost everybody's hit a deer oh yeah i mean i've been lucky so far same here knock Knock on wood wood. yep i've i had one deer jump off a hill i'm coming up from my girlfriend's and hit my back tire didn't do any damage just spun her (laughs) off and but 
lots of people. Almost every single person that I know has at least hit a deer once. And uh-huh. I yep. think that so hunting from that standpoint, like it helps keep deer's number down. Might not hit as many deer. But that's not a big thing. My argument for the people that don't want hunting, uh huh, those trails that you're hiking on, you can hike on them for free. Okay, right? You right. Can hike on them for free. Right. Who do you think makes that free for you? Who contributes the most to conservation? Hunters and fishers. I'll give it yep. for fishermen too. They have to buy their license, or by buying our and license, tax. yeah, and donating. So yep. a lot of people donate. We are paying for all of that. The um, property taxes, whatever. Right. The land. We're paying for all that, so you people can go hike on it and take your family out there for a day. It's free because hunters and anglers pay for it. Yeah, I mean, there's a. Jaden, I don't know. Can you look up the tax that hunters have to pay? I think it's like 11% tax on all. I know it's hunting goods. I think it is 11%. I think it's 11% on all hunting goods that is above. I mean, our sales tax here in PA is 6%. 6%. So we have to pay a bonus percentage, which I'm fine with because you know what? I'd rather my money go to wildlife and conservation than some than the never sweats. Yeah. Okay. I'd rather pay for the deer and the wildlife because i i actually do believe it or not just because i kill the deer i still love the deer and i want the best for them yeah it but sounds, I'd rather pay it sounds for that. contradicting that we're, we're killing them but we're also want to care about them because we want to be able to hunt them and we want our kids to hunt them we want the tradition we want to be able to see them we don't want to go out one day and not see deer i'd rather and i'd rather pay for the game commission to manage the deer and stop people from breaking the law well, and, and poaching and yeah. they do help out a lot i mean imagine how unfair it would be if the game commission wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, I know deer get poached on our property every year. Wide open fields on yep. our property. You go spotting that night, and you'll see deer laying right along the road. Yep. Bucks. I found multiple deer with their heads cut off. Um, bucks, obviously. And it's just like, why? But I think we should take more of our sales tax and give it towards wildlife and not as much as the the politicians and the greedy sweats. yeah the greedy people out there yeah. but anyway ba- oh another point to the <laughs> while we're on the tangent yeah of the anti-hunting there's only so many i mean in life the deer have to die at some point i, I hate to tell you but yeah Bambi's no, I, gonna, I see those, Bambi's I see those memes like how um vegetarians or vegans or ever think deer die in the wild and they're like on a bed with like their family beside them yeah no yeah like their coyotes are dragging them down and killing them they're, they're eating them from their while they're still living up yeah while they're living yep yeah so i mean uh bullet to the heart quick kill is the best way for a deer to and go. that's how that's how hunters like we don't want them to suffer i yeah. when it happens because that's life yeah but and it's terrible it's the sickest feeling you'll ever have the the ultimate goal for us as hunters is to take the animal as quickly and painlessly as yes. possible yep that's how i really judge a successful hunt you know because you can you can shoot an absolute booner of a deer yep but if if you make a bad shot and you know that deer suffering it, it just it takes, takes away from the moment it, it does. does it takes away like, i feel so bad when i shot splits i thought i put a double lung shot on him and whenever I saw him get up two hours later, I was sick to my stomach. I couldn't yep. believe it. Like I could have cared less how big he was. Like, it could have yep. been a spike. Yep. I was upset. Yep. And when I when I shot my buck too, and I made a and that's archery hunting, it's, and we're new. That's why we did it. We're, we're not hopefully, professionals. Hopefully, we'll be better this year. No. I mean, I practice all the time. Yep. Hopefully, we'll be better this year. Yep. And, and I I was I was up all night because I was just thinking. I'm like I'm here in my bed by myself. 
and my comfy blanket while the animal I wounded is out in the woods right now. And I, if I, I looked for him. I tried. Yeah. I was trying to end his day and take some suffering away, but obviously he didn't. He doesn't know that, and he didn't want that. But you know, I made another thing is when you shoot a deer, look for the deer. Yeah, that is a big thing. Like people will like miss or think they miss, and they actually didn't. They actually yep. just put a crappy shot on, and then there's another wounded deer out there. We yep. find dead deer all the time. Like this year, over my uncle's driving. Like on the first day, we found like three different deer that had bullet holes in them. Yeah, they weren't from us because we weren't hunting over yeah. there yet. And they were just laying in the woods, coyote food. Yep, give it a good effort. Yeah, you got to put one hundred percent effort in. That's a big thing. Because it's not, it's not I'm, fair to the animal. No, and and just because there's no blood trail does not mean they'll bleed in, internally. You know, do everything. My first buck, which you were saying like they don't bleed my uh-huh. first buck 243 i shot this deer through the like the right inside the front shoulder the crease between the neck and the front shoulder went back through hit his heart and never come out yep i was at a high enough angle that the blood wasn't pumping out yeah we walked down i mean it's high grass it's hard to find anyhow we could not find blood we knew exactly where he was at couldn't find blood couldn't find blood one of the guys that hunted on our property was walking out from his stand because he heard the shot found the deer while he was walking out there was only a little bit of blood from where he yep. ran. I mean, we would have never found him if it wasn't for him. Like, yep. we had no clue which way to go. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah. So, back to to habitats. Um, what 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 time of year are you... What time of the year are you wanting your food plot to be the most... To get the most... Like, what time of year are you planning your food plot for? Is it for the summer, fall, or the winter? Okay. So, I, I have two different food plot locations i only have two food plots one i plant for fall i plant like clover that kind of stuff like just something green throughout yep. the fall like um september october maybe into november it'll still be green but then my other one i plant for late season for something for the deer to get through yep i um i did turnips and rashes this year like i said and corn yeah corn didn't turn out too good we had a three-week drought here in, on the farm yeah. it was pretty rough it was dry, so the corn only got about five feet tall, and only put like a six-inch ear on. So it was, yeah, wasn't this that great. summer, this summer was rough. It was bone dry. It's like through August, it was really yeah. bad. Like I mean, July through August was bad. But I plant like radishes and that kind of stuff in that plot to try and keep the deer surviving through the winter. If we do have a harsh winter, so that's kind of what I do. But I try and think of the deer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> try and, think and what then they want. what you're what you're planning is going to. Like, if you plant something for the summer, don't expect it to pay off in the fall. In the fall, no, yeah. Deer want need. I'm not gonna say want. They do want, but they need different stuff yep. throughout the time of year. Like fall, they need this. Yep. Winter, they need this. They just depending on different stuff throughout the year. Yep. And you don't need an acre. You can do micro plots. Yeah, like we were talking about with Tucker. So like, he asked me questions and stuff because I do this a little bit because I've been doing it on my property for a while now. Yeah. He talked about doing maybe some microplots, taking a rake out in the woods. Like, they do it on uh, yeah. Seek 1 all the time. Out of, out of my home place. Yeah, yeah. So, they do it all the time on Seek 1. They'll take a rake. They'll yep. rake the leaves away from, like, this area that's, like, 20 feet by, like, 40 feet wide. And they'll just take some, like, even, I think it's, like, winter rye or something. Just mm-hmm. some sort of grass. Oats. I don't even know. 
something green, and they'll just spread it on there. Yep. Hand seed it even. If you don't have a seeder, just hand seed it. Throw yeah. it on there. Yeah, I mean, there there's plot mixes that are no-till. I mean, you, you're supposed to rough the gra- ground up, up a little, little bit. bit. But... Get a seed, um, like a good seed to soil um, bed, but yeah. contact. So what equipment did you use to put in your your plot this year? So my big plot, my two-acre plot, I actually used our farm equipment because it's next to the fields. It's right next yeah, to the field. Right. It's yeah. out and actually the food plot is right on the edge of the wide open fields right before it drops down over into the woods. So I could use the big equipment. But my other one, I have to use the full wheeler and my hands. <laughs> yep. Like I'm working with like a weed whacker and um, my I can get my full wheeler down in there. So like I have trimming tools and stuff, yeah. but I can't take a mower down in there. I can't do nothing. So it's all by hand. Yeah, which makes it good because a lot of people, well, most people don't have farm equipment. Like, yeah, so like that's nice. Your... Yeah, I'm definitely at an advantage with that. I'm definitely thankful for that because if but I didn't have that. For micro plots, you really don't need that stuff. And you can get, a micro plot can be just as effective as my oh, two yeah. acre plot. It can be. Yep. Yeah, I mean, a 50 yard by 50 yard plot in a, a small plot in the right spot can is be better than killer. a big plot in the wrong spot. They, like they call them like. Different people refer to like certain plots. They, they have their uh, food plot and yep. they have their kill plot. Yeah. To, like they'll just be like this little section where the deer come out, just like a staging plot where it's like some greens yep. before it hits the big fields. And guys will kill. They call it the kill plot because that's where the deer are at first and they'll kill them there. So, how do you feel about hunting your food plot? Um. So like you mean by like is it baiting? Like is that what you're no, talking about? No. Like I've I've heard that it's not smart to consistently hunt your food plots. I actually only hunted my food plot this year three times. I'm not gonna. It was it actually didn't work that well in the fall. Like I said, I planted it for the winter. Uh huh. So it was kind of just like a hit or miss. Like sometimes deer would be there in the daytime, yeah. but it was hit or miss. So I, if you can get in there without bumping deer and it being too bad i would say you can hunt it as much as you want like if you have like some way to get in there and not bump deer yeah but if it's risky getting in there i'd say only hunt it whenever you have the right wind and the perfect conditions yeah i think it's i think it's good to be cautious with that because if something happens where you blow your food plot out that mature deer will we were talking about earlier about you know getting your scent around if that's a uh, consistent area for them or could be a, a, a potential spot if if you blow it out and your does aren't there as much they stop coming time out. after time especially yep. and yep. if they start coming out not when you want them to Nocturnal. after dark yep yeah i mean you just you just messed your you just messed your whole food plot up that you've been working all summer and it is a lot of work yeah like, these is. are these are they're, they're a lot of work, but... I put a lot of time into my food. Even not just, like, the time doing it, like, actually planning it, but the time I spend in my bed at night yep. for, like, an half an hour before I go to bed. I'll have this little notebook beside my bed, and I'll draw stuff up. Yeah. And I'll think, like, okay, would this work? I'll I, I'll draw, like, different wind situations. I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. Like, thinking it up yep. just to think so I can be the best that I can yeah. at it. So back at my home place we're we're having a problem because we have a farm well i don't it's our family farm but um that's where i hunt a little bit too and a big problem we're having there is we're we're not having does bed on the property they're bedding off on neighbors yeah and ours is kind of the run-through spot yeah the pass-through and so so we're, we're looking at different options 
to create bedding, to create a home, create a home for does and local does. That way, when it comes time for the rut right. or other deer, they're staying on our property, and that way you we can control them a little better instead of trying to pull them off the neighbors. That's kind of it's kind of our theory. If we would just if we would make the home for them there, then there's no reason for yeah. them to leave. Now, uh, switchgrass is a big thing. Yeah, deer love switchgrass. We have a 13-acre high grass field. And, and what what is switchgrass for people? That like don't switchgrass. Know. See, like we don't have like a whole lot of switchgrass. You people call it switchgrass. It's more or less just like old goldenrod and different kind of stuff. Like yeah. switchgrass is more like you can buy and plant it, but. I call it switchgrass, CRP, whatever you want to yeah, call it. Yeah, yeah. It's high grass. doesn't matter, but deer love it. It's just really like three, four-foot high grass, and the deer will love it. They'll bed all through it. Yep. And it makes makes for great bedding. If now, you don't have is a that – what time of year bedding is that, or is it all, all around? Um, winter, not as much. Uh, summer through fall, November, December, you'll – a lot of deer still bed in it, but once you get that first snow that lays it down, it yeah. kind of like just disappears. Like it, it lays it flat yeah. enough that the deer don't want to even be out in it. That's so now, where thick. do like this time of year, where does a deer bed? Thick. I, I mean, under pine, they'll go into thick areas. Now, like I'm doing, like certain properties have hinge cuts. You can do hinge cuts. Yep. They can. Um, that's what they're more focusing on. You showed me giant miscanthus grass before. Yes, I actually thought about doing giant miscanthus grass. Yeah. If that's how you say it, I'm not sure. Um, but it it's like a big screen. It gets like eight feet tall. And I think Real World Wildlife Products is the one that I showed you. They they do like rhizomes or something, rhizomes. Yeah, they're like pods, I think. But So whatever you call it, rhizomes, you can plant them in rows. And they get like eight feet tall, say like two, three rows, 100 feet long. It's like a big shield. You can actually plant them and like make little like I guess like a maze. Yeah. Like kind of section the deer off. Make like a little habit. Like you can't plant trees. Trees don't grow that fast, and you can't. They don't shade out a lot. But this you can plant and shade. Deer like that fact of knowing that like they don't want to walk out in an area and it be wide open. Yeah. They don't. I mean, they they'll go out in the fields to feed, but like if you can like plant stuff and like like those meadows. Like think of how much. Um, deer use meadows. Uh huh. Meadows are great. It's kind of like making a little meadow out in the wide open. It's it's just good. And you can and you can kind of you can basically if you have an open field you can design whatever type of bedding really you want. I mean you could you can make a maze. You can make a square. You can do anything. You can do circles. You can make it all in one line and make the deer bed in it. You can do whatever you want. Now, I. People are gonna have some concerns about it, I'm sure. But from what I've read, is it's non-invasive. Does nope. do you, does it come back every year? Uh, I'm pretty sure. I am almost 100 percent sure. Yeah. And there's light snow, um, ice damage to it. It's very um, durable in that sense. Like it stays okay. straight up, so it's pretty good throughout the winter. Which would be good for blocking late wind. Yeah, and yeah, wind block late season. For anyone thing. listening, I don't know if they're if they know where I'm talking about, but right up above state college on 99 when i'm coming home from school yeah there's this field if you're going north it's on your left if you're coming home it's on your right yeah it's these big strips they look like they're like tall i don't know they're like bushes they're like light trees but they're just planted in rows and i don't know what they're for i don't know it might be a nursery it, it might be but 
Dude, I'm telling you. I drive by there and I'm like, I wish that I could would get be my hands perfect. on some of these. Yeah. Yeah, because you could turn, if you have a wide open field. You can turn it into deer habitat instantly. And, and let me tell you what, you make a field thick for deer, you're changing your property big time. Yep. Yeah. These are tips from the Farmland Hunter crew. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're going to wrap this episode up. Yep. We're going to try and keep them around this time, maybe a little shorter, just for the fact that people can listen to the whole episode and not get bored. Yeah. But we're and, cool. and if and give us some feedback like if you like this you want it longer you know you let us know yeah we're always looking for feedback we don't care if it's good or bad we just want feedback yep <laughs> yep so it was a good episode thank you guys for tuning in this episode and check out the first and second one if you haven't already and yep. if you're new here um i'm macaulay van gilder and as always i got tucker patrick with me t pat yep you can follow us on instagram yep and share this with all of your hunting buddies yep you know yep please the more this gets out there the more it makes our dreams come true <laughs> yeah and it's good it's good because it's getting getting information out there and hopefully as a whole we can as hunters make our all of our areas more beneficial for to have a better hunting season and just a better relationship. better property yeah, yeah better relationship with the ground so, so thank you thank you guys